hey, we kind of want to trade Longoria because he'd become a 10-5 player in April. And clearly the, J the Rays never, ever <laughs> want a player with any kind of veto power. Cannot imagine anything more awkward and painful for Derek Jeter. <laughs> this makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 83. Yes, we haven't signed or traded for anybody either. That's I'm... right, Jaika. I'm still here. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> uh, no extension for me either, which is, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I am, of course, your host, Greg Kazuski, and I'm joined by the apparently constantly interrupting tonight, Josh Housem. <laughs> it started right on a really good track, didn't I? <laughs> uh, well, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. None of them were, are, they're all tangentially Blue Jays related anyway. Um, the uh, the Jays sale rumors that we've discussed, I think on the last two podcasts, got, uh, got another round in the media again and then kind of died out there. Uh, of course, Giancarlo Stanton is in the division now, probably the worst possible place sitting beside another massive home run hitter, uh, Shohei Otani is with the Angels. They loaded up on a bunch of other names to try and uh, support him. And uh, there's a couple guys who won't be in the division come opening day. Uh, a certain third baseman in Tampa Bay and a certain closer who never got used anyway in Baltimore. Uh, we'll look at the context of all those moves. Uh, we'll talk about Josh Donaldson because <clears throat> nobody will stop talking about Josh Donaldson. There is a minor league top 10 that came out. We have your questions. And then we have a couple of weird goings on. One more Baltimore. And uh, Derek Jeter faced Marlins fans, which is probably the last place in the universe he wanted to be. <laughs> uh, okay, let's start with the sale. Uh, the Jays The Jays were going to be sold again because Rodgers needs, wants cash, wants to streamline, wants to narrow things down, wants to lean up. And then they, what was the last word? You said they were squashed. I missed the squashed part. Yeah, basically said that there are no plans to actually sell the team. They were just looking at ways to make it so that the value of the franchise was included on their balance sheet, which it's not, you know, because the, the the Forbes or whatever valuation of one point three billion or whatever it would be, that doesn't show up on their assets. Right, and and that's uh, something that uh, I think I've talked with people privately about is is an unrealized capital gain for a team is exactly that. It's unrealized. They you, you can't borrow money against money you might make if you sold an asset um yeah yeah so <laughs> that was a lot for nothing because that's like two weeks worth of oh we heard another thing about the blue jays getting sold to end up with well not really yeah exactly <laughs> although tell you what if it's between that or the teacher's pension plan getting in which was the, the ceo said well yeah if they became available we'd consider it Give me Rogers. <laughs> You're not you. You watched the teacher's pension plan own MLSE. Was that the problem? Yeah, I mean, no, they would be much worse because unlike Rogers, which at least has some brand value to success for the team. Right. The teacher's pension plan is only goal is to make money down the road for the teachers. They have no care beyond that. 
and they would only own the team. So bumping the value of the team so that Rogers say got more TV revenue out of it wouldn't really be a big deal for them, right? Correct. Okay, we'll leave that. Uh, <laughs> the most depressing news of the week, because most of us did not expect Shohei Otani to be a Blue Jay at any point. The, the most depressing news of the sort of the two weeks would have to be Giancarlo Stanton of all places ended up in the Bronx. It was the worst. So I'm not sure if you remember, we talked about this and I said, basically, it's like, well, look, there's a lot of the players in this team that should probably take steps back next year. And then the caveat was, well, they have money. Yeah. They use the money in a way that neither of us could have predicted. I, I really, it's one of those like, okay, in your worst nightmare, where does Giancarlo Stanton end up? And it's Boston or the Yankees, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, Boston would be interesting. He's a right-handed hitter. <laughs> I mean, he's going to get to play there, uh, what, nine times next year anyway. Um, but well, you remember my joke about, you know, you want you want Giancarlo to take the, the, the chance to get traded to Colorado just so he can bump his own numbers. I think he's achieved something similar by going to the Yankees in, in the AL East. Yeah. <laughs> Anything he hits at the opposite field is going to be a home run. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like, there are no half measure home runs with this man. No, no, there really aren't. I mean, how do you navigate <laughs> two, three, four of Stanton, Judge, and and Gary Sanchez? I mean, yes, the Jays had Donaldson, Bautista, and Canacion. The difference is those were all forty home run guys. Sanchez is probably a forty guy. Judge and Stanton could be sixty home run guys. And we don't know what Greg Bird is yet, if he's healthy. Yeah. I'm still never going to consider Greg Bird a threat until he shows he's healthy, but it's sure. just those three guys. I mean, they have other good hitters, too, like Didi Gregorius and Brett Gardner still pretty good. But just those three guys are insanely good power hitters. Mm-hmm. In a teeny tiny little ballpark. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Oh, how do it's not navigating the three of them. It's doing it four times a game. Ah, yeah. It's so painful to think about. And there is no Doc Halliday to, uh, you know, to tame them, right? Not on the Blue Jays. No, roster. no, I mean, the Jays have some good pitchers. Let's not pretend they don't, but not the type of, you know, best in baseball kind of pitcher that you're talking about with Roy Halliday. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's going to be a tough go. Not like the Yankees weren't on the path to a lot of success. You know, I'm not I'm not talking about a Yankees dynasty necessarily previous to this, but certainly they they had a, the formula you want. They had a bunch of young players. They still had prospects in the system, and they had people who had success at the major league level. Oh yeah, and you added one of baseball's when healthy most prolific power hitters. It's insane. It's not fair. No, it's not. And it's like and. and- the optics of it. It's like Derek Jeter's one of his first moves is to give John Costa into the Yankees. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Darling Castro is fine, but he was, he cost them nothing. The truth of, of course, is they had the trade worked out to the giants and it was nixed by Giancarlo and they had the trade worked out to Cardinals, the Cardinals also nixed by Giancarlo. So, uh, I, I understand the optics, yes, of Derek Jeter trading with his his the team in which he you know earned his stripes, so to speak. But it's not like he didn't try and do some other things, and 
really why was that group allowed to buy the team is my question well well that's the thing i'm not actually thinking there's any collusion because it's for the reasons you just stated there clearly wasn't i mean it just happened to work out in the worst possible way for from a visual standpoint but it's mlb's fault this this ownership group has no money and yet they were allowed to buy a team that which makes no sense they have no money to run the team how can you let them own it it's like letting somebody buy a restaurant you're a bank giving a, a somebody a loan to buy the restaurant and then they don't have any money for food that's <laughs> actually a really good analogy that's pretty much exactly what happened like in, enjoy <laughs> of course nobody's going to the restaurant uh we'll get to who some of the people who still have season tickets for the marlins late in the podcast uh because they're not really happy about things and who can blame them uh, yeah. so on the other coast we have the los angeles angels of anaheim who did successfully court Shohei Otani and sign him to be presumably a, a two-way player. Uh, there's a lot of talk about that. It sounds like he's going to get his wish. Um, and then they also acquired Zach Cosart and Ian Kinsler uh, in the let's load up on a bunch of names people recognize uh, offseason. Yeah, see, now we talked about the Yankees and getting Stanton and how that dangerous that makes that lineup. The Yankees were going to be a tough team to beat regardless. But adding, but the Angels, who finished ahead of the Blue Jays last year, they won 80 games. Mm -hmm. Them getting these three guys, and they're not done, really makes them a, makes the route to the postseason a lot tougher for the Blue Jays than it was when we did our last podcast. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you look at a team that's actually determined uh, that they are now a contender, as opposed to sitting on the sidelines like most teams are right now, uh, that means they've gotten in early and they've gotten some of the pieces that they really want. Um, I don't know. How is Angels pitching, though? Well, right now, it's that's their weakness. I mean, they have Otani, which that helps a lot, and they have Garrett Richards if he can stay healthy. They've got a bunch of if he can stay, if he can stay healthy guys, but that's why I said I don't think they're done. I expect them to get another pitcher before the offseason's finished because it just doesn't make sense. You don't go fill all your infield holes and bring back Justin Upton and get Shohei Otani and then not address the rest of your pitching staff. It'd be the ultimate leaving pieces on the table. I mean, it would just be insanely stupid. And Anaheim is not a poor team. This is a team that had money. They had Albert Pujols money. They picked up Vernon Wells contract a few years ago. They've never been shy when they think they have a chance of, of paying for players. Right. Unfortunately, they are still paying uh, zombie Albert Pujols <laughs> to take up a slot in their lineup. <laughs> yeah, for another uh, six years, is it? I, 2022. It's a long time. <laughs> so yeah. five years now. But uh, yeah, he's not good. He's downright bad, and he can only DH. So uh, that's going to be awkward when push comes to shove, I think, for that contract. If, if they were, you know. It might become awkward as late as, or as early as this July, depending on how he performs coming out of the gate. I mean, couldn't you say it was awkward last year? <laughs> he was yeah. one of the worst players in baseball last year. Yeah, I think you can, for the casual fan, you can probably paper over that when a guy's hitting all of these career marks. So it sort of mm, looks like, true. oh, he's hitting these milestones. We're keeping him around because that's what you do for a franchise type player. But yeah, you can't, can't string that out over five years. Oof. Uh, yeah, yeah, everybody knew that contract was going to be bad when he signed it, but this is probably on the low side of bad. Uh, yeah. But still, I mean, just in the context of, of those two teams, 
and what they've done, I think it sort of highlights the difficulty of what the Jays are trying to do. Because, especially when you take into account their, what seems to be their plan for the offseason, which is, okay, we've got, we like this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy at this position. We'll let other teams pick out the ones they want and we'll take who's left. But the problem is that every time someone else gets one of the good players, the best player in the pool, the requirement to contend goes up. Yeah. So, so it's like you can't get us. So, so say like, you know, it's like you're after Jay Bruce and Carlos Gonzalez. Once the other team gets Jay Bruce and you get Carlos Gonzalez, compared to that team, you've actually gotten worse, not better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your your uh, your total doesn't add up as theirs increases and it yeah it's again you and i are not fond of this strategy from the get-go so i don't think we're going to suddenly fall in love with it right but I, I, <laughs> it's just it's become even more problematic than i expected just because of the way things have been playing out i still think there's a chance they could do it i mean the, look the jays roster has enough talent that if they add some good players instead of you know, if everyone on their team is at least good then they could easily compete and you know fight for a wild card but it would ask for pretty much everybody to stay healthy except well depending on what happens in the middle infield if they get another middle infielder for some reason yeah i mean only time will tell what happens health wise and that's the other problem is if you don't have the that kind of depth uh, you're just crossing your fingers and hoping for a lot of things to work out right which is is not the way you ride to a 90 win season you know just a thought well, I mean, I think they yeah. do have depth, but the problem isn't the depth necessarily. It's that the starters, given everybody else in this league, if the starters stay healthy, you might play for a wild card. That's kind of the way this team looks like it's going to play out. And, and that's just yeah. not the place you want to be in. No, and you're right. They don't look like they're obviously in any rush to do anything because, uh, you know, there are things happening. Mitch Moreland got re-signed. Carlos Santana, you know, the, the market is now moving. And the Jays aren't really moving anywhere with those pieces yet. And it's already the near the end of December. Uh, yeah. Speaking of moves, I should move on to uh, two players. One from the Rays, Elvin, Evan Longoria, has left the division via trade. And then Zach Britton has temporarily left the division via injury. Uh, so Longoria to the Giants. That was kind of... Wow. I, I don't know. I never envisioned Longoria in any color other than tampa bays yeah it's becoming it's or it has become increasingly likely that he was going to get dealt over the last 10 days it seemed it's like it sounded like as opposed to i will listen on longoria to hey we kind of want to trade longoria because he'd become a 10-5 player in april and clearly the j the rays never ever <laughs> want a player with any kind of veto power right because they have to be in a position where they can pivot. That's just the nature of the way they operate because they don't have any money. They can't be forced into holding a player, especially one who, like Longoria, will be making decent money. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been cheap relative to what he would have been on the free agent market, but yeah, he's not getting any cheaper and he is in decline. Uh, there's even some question about whether that contract is going to be quote-unquote underwater for the Giants uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, Longoria is not what you know, he's not Longoria the way we've always thought about him he's still a very good player but he's not you know he's not getting any younger of course the Giants were playing Pablo Sandoval for some some games at third last year so 
Well, yeah, this is like the Jays. It's like Elidimus Diaz isn't that good, but he's way better than Ryan Goins. So, <laughs> great. It's a matter of degree. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Zach Britton uh, tore his Achilles on his, uh, I think they said right foot, right leg. Uh, yeah, which he, is... rupt- he ruptured it during his off-season workouts, and he's out for six months. Um, which led to my best Twitter joke of probably the week, but <laughs> other than that, <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> nice priorities. <laughs> hey, man, it's not my Achilles, and he's not my closer. <laughs> um, it was a pretty good joke, though. <laughs> now people are like, I don't have Twitter. What was the joke? Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> You must follow Greg or someone yeah. who retweeted it, otherwise you can't see the humor. Exactly. Uh, so this, Go ahead. And this is the counter to what I was just talking about, though. So the Rays are seem to be now listening on everybody. I mean, Alex Colme is probably going to be gone. Like they're pushing trading him hard, and there's a chance they could trade, you know, Chris Archer. Who, you know, it's like that would be a massive blow to their rotation. Mm-hmm. And the Orioles lost Britain, and they're potentially they might trade Machado. If those two teams tank, then it helps the Blue Jays in any kind of wild card conversation because you get 36 games against them. Unless they end up trading those to the team, th- those guys to the teams that were already looking like favorites in the other two American League divisions. Then right, and that's always entirely watch. possible. And you know, just from rumors, that doesn't sound like the way they're looking to go. But you can, you never know who's going to pop in with an offer at the end. Did you hear you Darvish talk to the Rangers? Yeah, he just literally had dinner with John Daniels. He wasn't actually talking contract. I was going to say, does it make any... Like, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember. I used to play for you. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> you got rid of me. Um, yeah, I know. They got rid of him in one context. Um, I'm glad he just had dinner with John Daniels. It's good to know they're still friendly. It's also good to know that Darvish isn't going to go to Texas. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that. Why? She's going to end up in L.A. or Minnesota, and I'll start crying. It's been a very tearful offseason for you, and not much has happened yet. Well, I think that's part of why. I mean, we talked about the Jays not having made any moves. Neither of us thinks that they're not going to make moves. Right. We, we, uh, did we talk on the last podcast about how, how long it's been since they had a, a nothing offseason, and it was... 2012 was it or 2014 2014 where they signed Deanna Navarro that was the only major league signing they made <laughs> yes and they didn't trade for anybody which is and then they didn't have a very good season shocking they won like 84 games or 85 games which is fine it just doesn't do anything for you in terms of putting uh, rear ends in the seats so to speak correct and I think that's kind of the the problem that this team could face if they don't get enough good players. Like, so I think, and you think they should get Darvish, JD Martinez, players like that. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. But mm. if they can get Lorenzo Kane, which I think is reasonable, I mean, the Giants just spent all this money on Longoria. Well, technically they lost some with the Denard Span trade, but you know, if they can get Lorenzo Cain and a good pitcher, not not an ace, but a good one, and then some other bat somewhere, the team will still be pretty good. There there are ways to do this. It's just a lot harder. 
I'm sensing a theme from us as far as all this. So that means, of course, our last topic for the front end here. Well, sorry, not our last topic. Our last current events topic, major league topic, <laughs> is the Josh Donaldson. I'm sure he's going to be traded. I've heard that the Cardinals are a great fit. Rumor. That <laughs> <laughs> just will not go away. It's like the Jay Bruce rumor in reverse. <laughs> Well, yeah, the Cardinals are the Blue Jays in this scenario, and Donaldson is Jay Bruce. Yeah, uh, except uh, Bruce seems to pop to a different team or have a different situation every offseason, so it's worth <laughs> revisiting. Oh, it's funny. I mean, the la the last one, the latest one from someone in the Cardinals beat basically said there isn't like they, the Blue Jays aren't dead set against this and now they might they need this and that and it's just it's just constant speculation because the cardinals want another impact bat and they love josh donaldson and apparently have called like every other day well what about this <laughs> what about this <laughs> you would okay so then it starts to sound like well this is if it ever happens it's going to be some weird three-way trade thing right because obviously they've offered up a bunch of the obvious combinations and the Jays have given them the, no, that's really not going to do it for us. So either it gets more exotic or as I would normally actually predict, it never happens. Yeah, that's definitely, if I were going to put money down, it would be on the ladder that Josh Johnson will open the season with the Toronto Blue Jays. Indeed. Um, yeah, I made my case for extending Johnson at the beginning of last year. Of course, that was based largely on his health. <laughs> <laughs> I can't win them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was one of the most durable players in the league, even though if he got hurt here and there, you know, he was dealing with minor injuries, but never something that would keep him out of action or even hurt his pro his production, which is usually the, the problem we talk about. Yeah, and then didn't happen. Uh, and then he got yeah. the calf injury and missed the first two months of the season. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> no, I, I we didn't spend any real money on that. All right, so let us look past 2018. Because that's where, hopefully, the real happiness for the Blue Jays lies. It's been a long time since the words top prospect and Blue Jays have so consistently come out. Um, you know, when your first round draft picks were Deck McGuire. And that mention is just for Tammy Rainey, who <laughs> asked that we not talk about Deck McGuire. Um, when, when your first round draft picks were, were people like Deck McGuire, now you've got <laughs> Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero, and they keep coming up one, two, in all kinds of different rankings, for sure, in the Blue Jays' rankings. Yeah, I mean, they're one, two on the Jays' top ten from Baseball America, which was released the day we're recording this on Wednesday. Anthony Alford came in at number three. I think we, we kind of lose sight of Alford in this Bichette-Guerrero conversation because those first two guys are considered, you know, Ben Badler, who did this list, had Bo Bichette in his top five. Yeah, for all of baseball. For all of baseball, which is crazy. But, you know, Alfred is still way up there as far as prospects go. I mean, he's a top 50 guy, I imagine, on every list. Yeah, I mean, Al Alfred definitely says all, uh, everyday player slash, I guess, potential all-star is where you're at. Yeah, he just has like a different profile than those guys. You know, it's like you got... Bichette and Guerrero have this power and very flashy you know, batting styles where they're crushing doubles and hitting bombs. Alfred isn't that. Alfred is a guy who hit 290 to 300 and take a lot of walks and play really good defense in center field. And it's 
the type of player you would have as a leadoff hitter as opposed to a middle-of-the-order bat like those other two guys. And certainly, uh, yeah, no disrespect to Alfred. He does show up number three on the top ten today, right? Yes. Any other notable names that we may have already discussed and or never heard of on that top ten list on our little podcast? Well, I'm going to read out the list, and then I'll circle back to the ones that surprised me. So Nate Pearson at four, that didn't shock me. Five and six, Lourdes Gurriel and Eric Pardino we're going to come back to because I did not expect that. Then it goes Danny Jansen, Logan Warmoth, Richard Urania, and Ryan Barucki, all names we've mentioned before. But Gurriel, they're basically betting on last year being just an adjustment because he hadn't played in two years. They just threw it all out and said, look, his approach and the stuff he showed in Cuba, we think he's better than this. Which is kind of weird that he still shows up top 10. I agree. Dang, top 10, number five. Still agree. It just... Yeah. Yeah. You would have thought he and had then, to show something. Right. And then number six, Eric Pardini. That guy's 16 years old. <laughs> I mean, that's really, really aggressive. I mean, I mean, it could say something about the rest of the system, but we're talking about a guy who's 16. Yes, he's supposed to be very polished for his age, and he throws 97 with a really good curveball, but he's 16. <laughs> Well, yeah, and and for those of you who don't, you know, really have a concept of that, this summer, go down to your local, you know, baseball park on Friday or Saturday night, find out in minor ball when the the junior team is playing, and watch the the rather underdeveloped collection of 16 and 17-year-olds who comes out and realize that they're projecting this guy to be a major league. It just, it's like crazy. Like, how do you project out from there? Now, in, in fairness to this ranking and projections, unlike most 16-year-olds, they don't expect Pardino to grow much more. He's already very developed. All right. And he already pitched an international competition for Brazil, so he's faced some top-level hitters. And basically, they've seen things that make him more likely than your average 16-year-old, but it's still very hard. So this is like 16-year-old Roberto Osuna, for lack of a better comparison very similar concept i mean they gave him almost the same kind of money that they gave osuna out of out of mexico yeah and osuna had faced professional competition because he was you know on his father's team and he was a big boy although now he's actually skinnier than he was when uh, yeah when he came up <laughs> <laughs> hey if it were if it helps the knees uh it's all good uh yeah okay random Blue Jays comeback note that I had forgotten about when we were talking about this. Did you hear Ricky Romero is looking to make a comeback? I did see that, and I can't help but root for the guy. Yeah. I mean, I didn't read until like two years after he was out of the league how much pain he was in with a pair of knees that just literally were destroyed, and he was trying to stay on the field. I just mind-boggling. Yeah, I hope the Jays give him a shot. Just yeah, if he's healthy enough to pitch it's like hey we'll give you a, a job you can go pitch in double a see if you can do it and then if he can well rich help came back after 13 years of not pitching well they, they've certainly they did their you know they did right by dustin mcgowan and they have signed a bunch of their former pitchers back so the jays have been known to take a, another shot on a guy who was in the organization previously mm-hmm. and just going back to the prospects though another one i want to talk about is richard urania who we saw in a big league uniform right and so part of the people not being so high in Urania in general, and I don't mean Baseball America because they did put him in the top 10, 
you know, people look at him. He didn't hit very well in double A last year. And then he came up and had that really hot start and then ended up being terrible by the end with his numbers. He's only 21. And guys aren't usually that good. I mean, we look at, we talk about Vlad Guerrero and Boba Shett just torching the Florida State League at 18 and 19, respectively. But most people don't do that. And Richard Urania hit well everywhere else to some degree at a really young age. And I think people, it's what happened with Dalton Pompey, who unfortunately kept getting injured afterwards. When they come up so young and then they don't hit, people think, oh, they're busts. But really, they're still way, way ahead on the developmental curve for someone their age. Yeah, you said that's why, you know, people don't do that. And that's precisely why Vlad and Bo have everybody's attention is because they are doing it and it's unusual, not because that's what we expect. And yeah, so I guess if Urania hit before, maybe he'll hit again once uh, his development catches up with the level he's at. Mm -hmm. All right, that is a quick rundown of Baseball America's top 10 Blue Jays prospects. We're going to take a quick little breather and then we're going to come back because you have honored us once again with your questions and we have a couple of, of course, weird things in Do Overland. We'll be right back. And we have returned. Yes, hope you all had a chance to get yourself a drink. Yeah. We're, uh, <laughs> really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should stretch it. No, no. You, you can always pause. That's how this works, doesn't it? <laughs> we have your questions right here. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Mm. Question number one from Quinn at Beau Bichette. I'm still waiting for a legal battle over that uh, handle, but uh, will, <laughs> will getting name-dropped in the new Eminem album be the coolest thing that happens to the Blue Jays this season? Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to bet that there's something more interesting happens, but it is pretty interesting that, of all things, Eminem raps about having a Blue Jays hat. We had a season which I would would rank as one of the least remarkable since I became a hardcore fan. <laughs> exactly. And there was still two walk-off Grand Slams in one week from Steve Pierce. So I'm going to go with, no, something interesting will happen that we'll be talking about more than Eminem. Oh, and they said this season. I thought it said off-season. Oh, yeah, okay, but definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, here's one for you. This is from Stephen P. at Stephen Act 4. What would the Blue Jays lineup look like in the Mirror Universe? This will teach me to use Star Trek jokes on Twitter. Because uh, then I have to answer Star Trek-related questions <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, so the Mirror Universe, for those of you who aren't Star Trek fans, is basically where all the good guys are bad and all the bad guys are good. Famously, you could tell Mirror Universe Spock from real Spock because he had a goatee in the original series. That was the obvious difference. Um, mm. So... I don't know if I could do a whole lineup. Surely, though, uh, who would be on this team right now? Who, who, who do we love to hate? I mean, I think Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton would be batting 3-4. No, no, no. If it's, if it's like the exact opposite, then Ryan Goins would be the cleanup hitter. But he couldn't play defense. <laughs> St Steven says, I'm assuming power hitting giant Marcus Stroman would be hitting cleanup. 
Ah, so we're completely inside out. So we would have uh, we would have ace pitcher Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> I don't know. I think I don't really know how either of us are supposed to answer this question. But Strowman is a power hitter. We saw you know home run off Julio Tehran. We're gonna hand this over to Nick Dyka and let him write a whole article about it and see if he can figure it out. Yeah. By the way, just going back to cool things, Marcus Stroman hitting an opposite field bomb. <laughs> Going the back worst. to back with Luke Melee of all people, yeah, which has to be the worst <laughs> sequence of Julio Tehran's career, right? <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where you start thinking to yourself, "Does he ever tell people? Like, does he ever just ask people, how did that happen to me?'" <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, next. It, that was his mirror universe picture. That's what happened. Yeah, that was that was a, that was highlights from the mirror universe. That one game. Oh, Akimedo at Akimedo uh, asked, which failed Blue Jays prospect did you want to succeed the most? And then what former Blue Jay do you follow the most? I'll do the first one and you can do the next one. Fair. For, for me, it was Travis Snyder. He was the first guy that looked like he could bring the Jays out of the darkness a little bit. They hadn't had a good top prospect really since Halliday. Mm-hmm. And then the he had Travis Snyder. This guy's going to hit 300, hit 40 bombs. It's just a question of where he'll play defensively, but he will mash. And then it just didn't happen. Yeah, that was, and Cito kept sending him down or platooning him. And it was just, just play him. I want to see him do well. And then, yeah, he's out of baseball essentially. Um, what former Blue Jay do I follow the most? I had to think for a second because I was sure there was a name and there was Brandon Morrow. Brandon Morrow uh having success with the Dodgers who happened to be my NL team but Brandon Morrow having success regardless was just wonderful because he seems to be the kind of person I actually get along would get along with or at least want to have dinner with as well as an incredible talent who got just the short end of the stick so many times and he still made it back into baseball and had success so that was a really cool story so I'm happy to see that he he made he's going to make some money next year as well yeah. And for me, the answer to that would have been Brandon Morrow. Oh, sorry, you just said Brandon Morrow. Dustin McGowan. Mm-hmm. But he's toiling away in obscurity, in obscurity in Miami, and I just can't watch the Marlins. <laughs> the Marlins keep coming up today. Whether they're trading <laughs> their best player or uh, their general manager is in trouble. Oh, my goodness. Matthew Corey. You want to read Matthew's question? No. <laughs> an exhaustive discussion about a Josh Donaldson trade, please. Uh, uh, friend, friend of the podcast, Mr. Corey. Maybe we should discuss a trade. What what could we get from Boston? Hmm. Hmm. Would I think you we do... should discuss Boston trading away Hanley. No, not Hanley Ramirez. Let's keep him on the bench. Trading away Jackie Bradley Jr. And then still somehow only ending up with Eric Hosmer and Mitch Moreland as their DH. Would you do uh, Josh Donaldson for? Yes. <laughs> Was which... someone on the Red Sox is any good? Then the answer is probably yes. Which starting pitcher would you take from the Red Sox? One, one for one for Josh Donaldson. Oh, okay. Well, Chris none Sale. of them. <laughs> I wouldn't take. Okay, well, Chris Sale, sure. There you go, Chris <laughs> Sale for Josh Donaldson. That's our extensive trade discussion for Matt Corey, who, if you hadn't guessed, is a Red Sox fan. <laughs> <laughs> Now, just for the record, there there is a longer conversation about whether a Josh Johnson trade does make sense. But mm-hmm. I don't think either of us wants to have that right now. No. 
no, no. I want to be backed into a corner when I'm having that discussion. <laughs> uh, hit me with the next one. Oh. Yeah, this is from Ryan Chwedchuk. Do you see the Blue Jays signing any big name free agents next offseason? So this is with the big super free agent class. Given the free agent class and the league minimum salaries of Bobachette and Vlad Jr. Uh, two very hot top 10 prospects do not a successful ball club make. Uh, so if both of those guys are close to making the major league roster or one of them is performing and the other one is close, I think it's more likely that the Blue Jays are going to go back into the free agent market. No, I think that's what he's saying. It's like if you have two guys producing or potentially producing, making no money, it helps you spend money elsewhere. And I think they will. Uh, I don't expect the Jays to go into a long-term rebuild. They have no signs of being willing to do that. And after 2018, there's only one more year of Martin's contract and two years of Tulowitzki's. And you can easily sign players around those. And there's just so many players that they can't all end up on the teams with money. Which is a blessing in disguise, perhaps. Yeah. And hey, the the silver lining to Stanton going to the Yankees is that maybe now they won't get Bryce Harper. <laughs> yeah, well, you can pencil him to whichever West Coast outfield you would like now. No, he'll just go to the Yankees and play center field and everything will be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we should have titled this the Everything is Terrible podcast. Uh, Everything is Terrible! This is not the same ring. Uh, Gideon Turk, who you may have heard of, former BP writer for BP Toronto. Everybody talks about the hitters, but which pitch- pitching prospect is most worth, most worth getting excited about? Um, well, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about for next year, I think it's Ryan Barucki. He's shown the ability to really dominate minor league hitters in single A and double A, and you know he throws 96, throws strikes, and has a good changeup. I mean, that sounds like you know, I'm not going to say he's Cole Hamels, but it sounds like Cole Hamels. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may have just said that anyway, but okay. <laughs> but I know I, I think that he's a very solid major league pitcher potentially, but. And I'll give two more names. So Pearson is the big one, right? If you're looking at a potential superstar, that's the guy. There's 102 with a big power slider. If you're going to dream on someone, it's him. But for me, it's the guy that totally flew under the radar when the Jays picked him up. I didn't even know until he was. I looked on the 40-man roster and he was there. Taylor Guerrieri, from, they picked him up off waivers from the Rays. Do you know about him? You just asked about an obscure product, this prospect you didn't know about. Like, come on, you know the answer to that question. No, no. I knew all about him. I just didn't know the Jays had picked him up. Oh, uh, no, I don't know anything about him. Does he throw <laughs> yeah, underhand? <sorry. laughs> Almost. No, he does not throw underhand. He's an extreme sinker baller and a former first-round pick that has always done really well in the minor league. He just kept getting hurt, but now he seems to be finally healthy. So... There's a lot of potential for a very useful pitcher there. All right. Well, I'm going to throw out, hey, why not TJ Zoic? Because uh, nothing's gone wrong yet with him. And uh, that's what you want out of your first round pick, don't you? Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like if you just, you just if it's get excited, well, TJ Zoic's not exciting, but he's probably going to be pretty good. <laughs> Dull and good, the way I like my pitchers. <laughs> All right. That is our questions. 
That's it. Are you ready to uh, hit the do-over? Let's do it. Oh my god, did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a do-over? We believe in second chances. Yes, yes, we do. Um, you wanted to give someone a second chance in, in our local AL East. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's probably like a sixth or seventh chance at this point. <laughs> We're talking about Dan Duquette. <laughs> so the, the Orioles were probably never going to get Shohei Tani anyway, just based on the teams he ended up choosing and the fact that they're the Orioles and they suck and nobody should want to play for them. No bias. But afterwards, Dan Duquette came on MLB radio and said that the reason that they didn't try for Otani was because, and this is quoting now, Philosophically, we don't participate on the posting part of it. You can't see me, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> so as a matter of policy, they now eliminate all of Asia that is young. Uh, it, Actually, just all of Asia, period, because they all come over via posting of some way or the other. Can it be policy to be non-competitive? <laughs> They're trying. <laughs> Does the league allow that? Or does the league say something to you when you tell them, you know, I guess it's your prerogative to not compete, but... Well, clearly the league allows that. They let the Marlins buy the team. Oh. <laughs> That's the third one now? <laughs> we just keep going to the well. I don't even know. What, like, they also continuously trade away international bonus pool money, do they not? Yeah, they haven't signed an international player. I think it was in the last two years. Okay, so they don't deal with Central America and South America. They don't deal with Asia. <laughs> they... they did get Hunsu Kim from Asia, but he was a free agent and it was a little different. But So they'll sign Asian free agents, just not the ones that are posted. It just strikes me that that's where you're going to get a lot of talent in the coming years, does it not? Well, yeah, because if a guy's posted, that's me they're coming over younger. That's the difference. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> So, who wants to explain this to Mr. Duquette? I don't know. I mean, this is the guy who picks his his player acquisitions by what his fans want. And his... Now, is Peter Angelos a factor here? I don't know. I don't think it is, because they, they have played in these pools in the past, and Angelos is on the team forever. So, I think it's Duquette, and I don't get it. It's just really, really stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, it, it, it's, with Otani, you could say, oh, well, everyone knew he wasn't coming to Baltimore. Well, yes, except you, he might have come to Baltimore. Who knows? Maybe he didn't know about some aspect of how you were going to take care of him. The, the effort to put together a package is like $0 compared to the overall scale of a team, right? Yeah. So it's a $20 million um, I don't even know how to describe it. You, you you win a lottery that's worth $100 million, but you only have to pay for your ticket if you win? And you didn't go in? What the heck? It's just mind-boggling. All of it is just crazy. And, you know, Dan Zimborski, who was the guest on the last podcast, he's an Orioles fan, and that news made him basically say, I don't want to be an Orioles fan anymore. And I don't blame him. Nope. All right, so what's the do-over? 
the do-over, well, I kind of don't want them to take this. So thankfully, <laughs> nobody has ever taken a do-over, so we're safe. <laughs> if you come on the show and say, you know what? We realize that we really should just go after every good player, then I will be forgiven. Wow. That's uh, It's a low bar, folks. Uh, we it, look forward to it, Dan You Duquette. think that, that would just be policy for every team <laughs> but their policy is the opposite oh my goodness all right would you like would you like to have a live not live would you ha- like to have a, a retroactive look in at some of the live tweets from derek jeter's marlins town hall and, uh, we're just we had to end this in the way, the way we've dealt with the entire rest of the podcast so yes and i missed this when it was happening because i'm on vacation so hit me with them Okay, so this was December 19th. Uh, this was all of the Marlin season ticket holders who wanted to come. So like the state of the franchise, uh, only they called it a town hall. So number one, the very first thing from, from Andy Slater from the actual town hall is Derek Jeter says, as an organization, quote, losing is not an option, unquote. Um, I saw someone quote tweet that with, it's a guarantee. <laughs> uh <laughs> So uh, one of the CC Tickets fans actually said to him, it's like I signed a lease on a Camaro and come Monday, they give me keys to a Volt and the dealer says, don't worry, it will run like a Camaro in three years. Jeter goes, the Camaro wasn't working. The the fan goes, the Camaro was a flat tire away from contending. (laughs) (laughs) Do they have Jeter's response to that? Nope, nothing there. Um, You'll be happy to know that uh, one of the other fans uh, says it's ironic that the town hall meeting was being held behind Budweiser Bar in left field because there wouldn't be a ball hit in the area by the home team next year. (laughs) (laughs) So all these Uh, people are on microphones and everyone has to listen. All the reporters are scribbling this down. It's brutal. uh, Someone should have put that up on Periscope or something so we could watch it live and see Jeter try to deal with it. Now, who do you think showed up at a Marlin season ticket event? Not Marlins man. He canceled his season tickets. Marlins man was there. Oh, he was. Uh-huh. Marlins man took four minutes at the microphone, said he wants he to throw out the first pitch, and he wants Marlins man Monday, and he offered to have Jeter ride in the Marlins man mobile with him, which Jeter refused. So J- Jeter said, "If you sign up for a ten-year ticket plan, I'll let you throw out the first pitch." Oh my god! If I I cannot imagine anything more awkward and painful for Derek Jeter. (laughs) This makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. It's an early Christmas present for me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Someone cried at the microphone because he traded away all the good players. Um, And and basically his, his message was, please be patient. There is a plan and please come out to the ballpark. Why would you come out to the ballpark? There's no reason to attend a Marlins game. Yeah. They don't even have any exciting players. I mean, it'd be one thing if they traded Stanton and traded, well, you were going to get a lot for D Gordon, but anyway, stick with me. They did D Gordon, and then they traded Marcelo Zuna, and they got exciting, young, MLB-ready talent. Uh, they didn't do that. There was a specific quote about that. Uh, oh, fan asks, who's going to be in the outfield? Jeter says, quote, there may be players on the field who you may not know, end quote. <laughs> like he, he's not lying but that's so bad like i don't know who's in the outfield right now and that's you're just gonna have to live with that i'm sorry it's kind of crazy too because this is the team that had the best outfield in the national league last year 
Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah, because we're not doing anything Blue Jays, uh, we just thought you'd give you a live look in. Although the Blue Jays seem to be a bit tone deaf and are perhaps a little less enthusiastic or aggressive than you might want them to be, clearly there are worse places to be a baseball fan. <laughs> yeah. All right, my friend, do you have a final thought? Yeah, I mean, my final thought is just basically for those of the people that are just clamoring for a move to happen. If it doesn't happen by the end of this week, it'll probably be another week after that because they're not they don't usually make any moves in the holidays. So just enjoy the time off from work if you get it or if you're in retail, you have my sympathies. <laughs> <laughs> and then just just be patient because they will come. I, uh, I'd like to uh, just wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, or, you know, whatever else you celebrate at this time of year. Um, I hope there are some Blue Jays uh, goodies in your, uh, in your gift bag this year, uh, because I know there's like a thousand weird items you can pick up with the Blue Jays logo on them. Maybe some of them are to your liking. Uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks, so I, I hope all the best for you in this season. And, you know, a, a move isn't really a present unless it's a good move, so, you know be patient uh that said hmm? (laughs) that was my thing (laughs) well i i just agreed with you okay thank you that was my second christmas present (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit of a budget here (laughs) that we're working on (laughs) artificial turf wars all right um if you're feeling really generous this holiday season he says uh we do have a patreon at www.patreon.com slash turfpod where you can uh help out the podcast uh, we do appreciate all of our patrons, some of whom we've had on the podcast. You can look into that. That said, I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 83. And we'll talk at you again in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.